Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating, not second most, the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And uh, for our new folks in Texas, I am not that arrogant. Uh, It is a true statement. And that's kind of because there isn't a lot of finance radio. As a matter of fact, I, I believe we're one of the only ones. There's, you know, there's the finance radio infomercials out there that are just trying to get you to call and get a portfolio review. But I'm talking about like legitimate rate, you know, where we do topics. And I've always said, you know, so when I say we're the most scintillating hour in finance radio, I think it's a true statement, but it's a one horse race. And those are the kind of races I like to be in, right? Like, would you ever run for public office? If I ran unopposed, I might, I'd think about it. Right. So, uh, so, so we're taking our victory lap. It may not be much of a lap, but we're, we're going to, we're going to hang our hat on that one. Most scintillating hour in finance radio. Anyway, got a great show planned for you guys today. Going to go over the market update, all the applicable news and, and data that came out. And just as a quick reminder, guys, if you are into this stuff and you want to know, we started, we, well, We've talked about it a lot. We started doing what we call our daily dots. So it's a 15 to 25 minute summation of everything important that happened in markets in the economy or politics that related to markets in the economy in that given day. Reason we started doing it, honestly, was was uh, people were asking for it, clients uh, and, and listeners, but also because um, – and it's not like we think that we're the only arbiter of truth out there. I, I just It's just amazing to me how bad the quality of, of news – particularly financial news has gotten and you know to, to know what's going on you got to sit through all this other stuff and commercials and blah blah and we thought you know what let's just give people a 15 to 25 minute quick hitter every single day and if they listen to that they're going to be completely up to up to date with everything important that's happened that day um they can listen to it on their ride home without having to sit and through an hour of bluster and nonsense and listen to a bunch of things that don't matter and listen to a bunch of pfizer commercials or whatever the case may be. So anyway, you can get us on the dots and, and just subscribe to the podcast. That's not a paywall. It's all coming from the same feed and uh, it'll get emailed to you every single day and you can just hear us that way. So anyway, uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about the market update w- along with a little public service announcement. We're going to talk about AI and how when it comes to AI, we want to skate to where the puck is going, not where it is. Okay, that's our next segment. And then another segment that I've just got titled Great Question. We were, in, we were in the we were doing our financial road show yesterday. For those of you that missed it, shame on you. And I, I'm just amazed you'd miss it. You missed the event of the year. Amazing to me that you guys, you'd miss a 45-minute road show. I, mean, I just, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, what better could you have to do with your time? Anyway, we got another one coming up in five, six weeks, I believe, or we starting to do it once. Uh, anyway, if, anytime you want information on the Roadshow, guys, you can just call us. Uh, you just go to Bulwark, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Um, I, I, I think we're doing them every six weeks now. And uh, when you go to the website, w- when we've got one coming, I think within two and a half weeks of, of when we're going to start it, when you go to our website, it automatically pops up a, a box that you can sign up and you get a link and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so anyway, so we're, we're going to do a segment on the great question that I received in the road show. And then the final segment I want to do today is, is this really a 4% growth environment, right? We just got a GDP print the other day. We'll talk about it in the market update. I think it came in at 3.3%. Market was expecting, economists were expecting like 2.1. So a big beat on that level, right? And remember quarter before you were like at 5, 5, 4.9, 5. See, so add it together, it would tell you that last two quarters growing about 4%. Now to put that in context, when we were growing, going gangbusters during the housing bubble, 0405, you were running GDP at like three and a half percent. Okay. They'd have you believe it's at four. Does it feel like 4% growth? And I got a theory on this, but we'll, we'll run by anyway. So let's get to the market update though. Um, first of all, let's start with a public announcement and, and, 
really, this seems self-serving, and in a way I suppose it is, but it was another reminder of how you've got to be so careful in this day and age, in the information age of, you know, what you listen to or what you give credibility to. And again, this is going to sound self-serving, but but I want you to look through it. It, it was just a reminder to me of how people work, how people think, and how, especially on things like social media, it's probably really silly if we allow ourselves to get all worked up about things like that. And as it doesn't relate to social media, everything we hear, we should take with a grain of salt. And and I think we all know this, but so I'll, I'll tell you the story. So employee of mine walks in to my office the other day, actually Trevor, uh, who's filled in for me on the show before our first employee, our, our head of operations came in. He's like, Hey man, um, we got a really bad Google review. I go, okay. And, uh, the, the, the tough thing about this business, if, if I hear that we got a bad review on something like that, we've had a few, um, when, when it comes to the, when it comes to this business, I typically don't worry about it because it's almost always, well, for us, it has always been whenever we've had a, for, we have very little client turnover, first of all, so it doesn't happen to us very often. But whenever we've had a situation like this, it's never been our fault. I mean, there are things we could have done better, maybe. Um, people can just be very unreasonable. And I found myself starting to get upset even before I read it. And then I went and read it and then pulled up the client's name. And the client was with us for a year. And I, it was a pretty vicious Google review saying that we didn't know what we we're doing this, that, that we'd lost in money. But, and I'm sitting there going, man, I, you know, of all the complaints you could have about us, no, we haven't lost big. We haven't been down big, right? COVID crash market was down 36 and a half. We were down seven last year. Our average client portfolio was down six and a half. Market was down 21 or no, 2022. I mean, Market was down 21%. NASDAQ was down 32. Bonds were down 25 to 30. Our average client portfolio was down five or six. So I'm reading this going, oh, what? So let me pull up the guy's name. The guy was with us for one year, 12 and a half months. Over that 12 and a half months, this, it was, he started with us right at the beginning of 2022 and left right at the beginning of 2023. During the time he was with us, his stock portfolio outperformed the market by about 12%. And the bond portion of his portfolio was up 1% when bonds were down 25 to 30. And we were doing him dirty. Okay. Again, it, this sounds self-serving. The focus is not going to be on the performance and why the client was wrong. Okay. What it is, you'd listen to that guy and you'd think, boy, avoid those guys. There's something bad going on there. <laughs> then you find out the underlying truth, and it's 180 degrees the other direction, meaning everything in his portfolio beat its benchmark or relative comp, and by big numbers, right? And yet he's still ticked off. And it reminded me, Zach, and it's one of the reasons why I started the show today going, you know, I'm grateful grateful to be here. I was saying that on the three minute warm up. I'm great. Cause it just, it reminded me, don't get so worked up when you hear what people, you can't take it too personally. It's nonsense. And unfortunately the average person out there making noise, they're nonsense, right? So be careful of what you let you, you, what you lend your time to be careful about what you lend your mind to be careful about what opinions you entertain. And I don't think that that's been more important than at any other time today. And there's so many of those things out there that we think, well, I can get the straight scoop from here. You know what guys, truthfully, you don't have a straight scoop unless you've been, you've really done your homework and listened to somebody and, and, and you have proof that they're a legitimate information source these days. I, yeah, like I said, I don't want to make it about me. It was just crazy reading that and then knowing what the reality was under the surface. And just, again, just an amazing, an amazing experience uh, where you're like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I would have expected a thank you maybe. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you can't please everybody. 
And just be careful who you listen to and be careful who you lend your energy to. You know, there's a great show. Um, my personal trainer, well, actually, so I do yoga twice a week as ex football guy keeps me limber, keeps me moving. Um, my yoga instructor was telling me, um, you know, that makes me sound so coasty, right? Makes me sound like a San Francisco money manager or something. It's, it's because of football guys. It's, I'm not some, you know, I, I, I do it in Under Armour football shorts and, and, and workout shirts and stuff like that. It's not, um, but anyway, she was telling me about this show Breakpoint. It's on Netflix. And I think you should go watch it right along those lines. It, it, it's amazing to watch these athletes who are top 50 in the world, professional tennis, and to hear how bad some of their mental games are, to hear how bad some of them are at managing their own, own emotions. And it would just remind me of my, co- you know, the, the old adage, right? The toughest battleground or the toughest field you'll ever play on are the eight inches between your ears. And I, I just, I think we sabotage ourselves so often. And to learn, to learn if you've got kids that are, are really into sports, have them watch that. Have them watch how these people are so mentally undisciplined and just kill themselves over and over and over and over again. You know, talking negatively to themselves, preparing themselves to lose, flipping out, focusing on everything but the opponent or the task at hand. Anyway, just a great reminder and and running into that Google review. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. It stings, especially when you take it personally. And I take this job really personally. It's just business. Nah, business is personal. When you're managing people's money, it is personal. Matter of fact, it's one of the most personal relationships you can have with people. It's one of the most personal jobs you can do. It is personal, right? Depending on how well we do our job has a direct impact on the quality of life our clients live. If that ain't personal, I don't know what is. So anyway, let's get to the rest of the market update. So kind of mixed on earnings, and 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 I'll revisit this in that final segment where we talk about are we really growing at 4%. When you're cranking at 4%, you shouldn't have mixed earnings. Everybody should be blowing it out. There's always exceptions, right? I'm just speaking generally, right? It's kind of a weird deal. Tesla, uh, two days ago, came out. Um, their revenue is going backwards. They're actually contracting. Now, I, we've been talking about this one for years, but it's fascinating. Now, Tesla's getting nailed in the markets. They're getting drilled. Um, but you go look at that stock. You still got a test. Tesla's still trading at 55, 60 times earnings, okay, in a market that's trading at 27. Now, remember, the only reason you pay 60 or 60, 55, 60 times earnings, right, for the most part, PE multiples reflect growth rates for the most part. So when I see – you can have anomalies, but again, generally speaking, PEs reflect growth rates in normal times. You can also have these weird periods of times where a company that's not expensive can look really expensive because maybe they have a quarter or two of really bad uh, – um, Facebook was like that not too long ago where – they looked well for a little bit they looked insanely cheap and it was because uh, a couple of the quarters of money they were going to spend on the metaverse hadn't hit yet and then conversely you fast forwarded three or four quarters and they look they look like you know i remember them getting like uh, I, I think after one release their stock really jammed a lot and it looked like they were at a 40p but then you look back and and one of those quarters where they were spending on the metaverse, like five billion in the hole or whatever it was, was still in the it was still one of the four quarters that was making up the PE ratio. So you knew the minute that the next quarter came out, they would have positive earnings of some number, and that zero, that negative five billion in earnings would fall off and fall out of the calculation. So the PE ratio would come down drastically. So you have noise in PE ratios all the time. But it, but but if if you look at a company like Tesla, none of those kind of things have happened recently. And so usually if I see a 55 or 60 PE ratio, I'm expecting to see a company that is growing, probably growing revenue at least above 20% a year. Generally speaking, you look at Tesla, they're going to go backwards this year. Okay. Well, then you think about PE ratios. You can justify high PE ratios in very high profitable businesses. Tesla's gross margin is down to 8%. I believe net gross margin is down to 8%. So that isn't it. 
as much as Tesla's gotten hit here, guys, Tesla could drop another 60% and still be the most expensive publicly traded automobile manufacturer. And the growth and margins aren't there. Remember, the whole story was we have never-ending demand. Well, if you're going to sell less cars this year than you did last year, that's not never-ending demand. I mean, call me a cynic. uh, Call me whatever you want, but that's not never-ending demand, right? They got the best margins in the world. Not anymore. Why? Well, you can't maintain margins like that when your demand's dropping. What do you do? You cut prices. What what does that do? Eviscerate your margins, right? Uh, So that, and you see so many of those stocks where they're still sporting this crazy growth multiple. And what's weird about it is you're not looking at them going, hey, that company's not going to keep this up. You should sell it. You're looking at them going, it's already happened. It's just, I, I, this market continues to amaze me. It just works in some ways so reverse than what I'm used to, right? Usually the market's looking ahead. You're, you're looking at Tesla right now. You're looking at what they're saying on the conference call, looking at their production, looking at their revenues, looking at their margins, all going in the wrong direction, actually contracting. And then you look at their multiple and they're, and I mean, look, they're getting hit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're not getting punished. Stock was down 15% in one day the other day, I want to say 10 or 15. Um, so they're getting hammered. But you still look at the price of that thing. And my only question is, why are you paying that price? Like, I, I don't get it. Like so many other companies out there. Um, it's a, re- it's, and look, I just think people, I, I mean, I, I will continue to say this. I don't think I've ever, I've never been in a market that was so asleep at the wheel when it comes to fundamentals. I, I just, I, like, if you're still long and strong Tesla stock here, Godspeed. I, I just don't understand how you could justify that multiple, especially now. Like, again, I'm not telling you I think growth is going to slow down. They told you it has. So keep paying up for it, I guess. Netflix is another one. It, a little bit different than they, they had some pretty promising things to say about upcoming quarters. Go look at that thing. What are you sitting at? 52, 53 times earnings on that thing? It's growing at 7% a year. It missed on earnings. Stock took off, though, because they said we're bringing in WWE and this next quarter is going to be great. I'm looking at the thing. It went into the quarter trading on 48 times earnings. I'm looking at this going, I don't understand what we're paying for here. And look, if this was a go-go market, if if, if Tesla's or if NVIDIA is still growing or not, if if Netflix is still growing at 20, 25% a year, if Tesla's still growing at 25, 30% a year, I get it. I mean, I still think they were stupid prices back then. But when the growth rates evaporate, you're you're bidding up Netflix for twenty. You're bidding up 50, 50 plus times earnings because of, or maybe it's at forty five, fifty, whatever. D- almost double the market multiple because they're bringing on WWE one night a week. Okay, uh, I don't get it. So a- anyway, I will say not disastrous at all. Uh, on the earnings that we've heard report, but very mixed. Some companies really having a tough go of it. Um, good reports are kind of like Netflix, right? Where they 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 barely beat on revenue, missed on earnings, and added more subscribers than people thought. That's a good report in this environment. Again, not the kind of reports you'd expect to be seeing if you're growing at four percent, right? Kind of kind of kind of kind of strange. Um, Kind of like we were talking about, too, is the economic data has been rolling in recently. You're seeing bounces in a lot of stuff. There are a couple that are actually moving the other way, too. So it's not as uniform as even we thought it would be. I thought I thought you'd have pretty much, you know, I, pretty much blanket positive data. You're seeing some of those positive data prints, no question. Okay. Uh, inflation is ticking up a little bit more again. Retail sales beat expectations sizably. Um, so some of this data is still coming in hot and we expected that, right? We were saying you got massively loosening financial conditions. What's interesting right now is as that hot data is coming in that we predicted based on loosening financial conditions in the last quarter of last year, financial conditions are moving the opposite direction right now. And I think we're, we we remain as bullish as everybody is. The Nasdaq has still not broken out to all time highs. 
you're still below the previous all-time high. And I just, guys, it is amazing to me how much risk I see in this market compared to the way the market is behaving and acting. Um, and when I see, and again, when I say risk, I'm not saying I'm talking about a complete market collapse or economic collapse. I'm just saying I, I have never looked around and seen so many prices that weren't overly optimistic, that weren't too rich that I disagreed with, but were just head scratchers. People paying 50 to 60 times earnings for companies with negative growth rates. I, I, I just don't understand why you'd do that. Um, you know, so that's 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 kind of where we're at. Um, I, the other thing that's 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 odd to us, rates have bounced a little bit since this hot data is rolling in. The market is still thinking they're going to get a March rate cut. I, I don't think the Fed can. Now, I'm not going to go out there on a limb and say they won't, because this Fed to me is just I. You, know, you guys know my thoughts on the Fed. And I think if you listen to the dots too, I think the biggest frustrating thing about the Fed is that so many of these things are so easy to see coming. And because they seem easy to see coming, you kind of assume the Fed knows better than you do. And then a year and a half later, it plays out exactly the way you thought. And you're kind of left scratching your head going, how didn't you see that? Right? How didn't you see that? And like we were saying, you know, people are like, well, what do you mean, Zach? And I'm like, well, like last March when we were ripping them for the BTFP thing and we're sitting there going, wait a second. I I realize you got to do something with these banks and I wouldn't expect you to sit back and watch them all implode. Having said that, if you're pumping $350 in liquidity into the system, you're undoing your rate increases. Oh, and by the way, they're not going to fill up the BTFP, the the bank term funding program, right? The $350 that came on with Silicon Valley, right? You know why they're not going to do it? Because banks were misusing it. <laughs> Go figure. Banks were using it to just generate profits. They were using it as an arbitrage. So uh, go figure, right? They were working They were working them over. So anyway, um, but the other one to watch, we've talked about it before, but Boeing, it, it's amazing to me. People are starting to wake up to it again. You saw Pete Buttigieg come out and say that White House is going to have a review and they're going to look at things. And they – it, it – I, I kind of thought two planes crashing and hundreds of people dying would have done it, but it didn't. And, and I'll just tell you, I uh, the people at Boeing, I still think they have the most talented engineers, the most talented workforce in that industry on the face of the earth. I'd put them up against Airbus 10 times uh, and, and four times on Sunday. Um, I just can't stand the management. And I think the management's reckless, feckless. Uh, I think they're a bunch of idiots um, that have no business in the positions they're in. And I just, you, you can't, in, in my opinion, you can't touch that stock until management's drastically overhauled. Um, not saying it can't go up in this market. Like I said, maybe, maybe it's on the cusp of doubling for me or who knows. Um, I just know that that it's just, it's a, it's, it is a broken management. Okay. And they got to gut that sucker. They got to gut the board. They got to gut management and I wouldn't touch it until they did. So anyway, uh, going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Going to get into our next segment, the AI skate to where the puck is going, not where it is. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. With the election looming, continued global unrest, rising cost of living, and unforeseen market fluctuations, 2024 could be a wild ride. Protecting retirement portfolios with our risk management process is critical. That's Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark and host of Know Your Risk Radio's podcast. Zach, at our first meeting, Bulwark opened my eyes to how exposed my portfolio really was. We do that with everyone. Our Know Your Risk portfolio review is a great way to see if you're overexposed to risk. It's free and there's no obligation. In fact, we don't let anyone invest with us at our first meeting. Whether you become a client or not, I can promise you this. You'll leave much more informed about the risks to your retirement. I know I did. Look, you only get one retirement. Don't risk it. Schedule your free risk review now at knowyourriskradio.com. That's knowyourriskradio.com. 
Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Past performance doesn't guarantee future results. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, guys. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Oh, and I forgot to say, as always, call 866-779-RISK. If you are interested in a risk-managed portfolio that is actively managed with people watching over it all the time that are not just sit telling you to buy and hold and sit there, you know, if, if you want a portfolio that barely gets hit at all during the COVID crash or during 2022 when everything's getting smoked, but still up. Well, I'm going to claim it. What are we up? What's the value portfolio? 5% so far this year? 4%? Something like that. We're taking it. I'm taking it even though it's only, what are we, three weeks into the year? I'm taking it because last year was so bloody miserable. Anyway, guys, what I, I'll keep saying it over and over again, right? Smart portfolio construction, thinking outside the box. We can absolutely lower, drastically lower your risk, lower your fees, and increase your upside. It's what we do. And in these crazy times, who doesn't want less downside and more upside capability? Okay. If you're interested, which you should be, give us a call 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. Anyway, on to the fun stuff. Okay. So as it relates to AI, we've talked about this before, but I want to put a new little new spin on it, kind of let you know. And, and like other things, I think this discussion is really pertinent to the overall stock market right now. And I think it's a really good indicator of the way we should be thinking and the way we're looking at things. So hopefully that's the way we should be doing it because that's the way we are doing it. But obviously everybody's all fired up about AI. And 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 rightly so. Okay. It is going to be a huge impact. Okay. Now, a couple of things I think the market is overestimating. I think that working out how to get these things released to, to the public and monetize them is going to be more of a process than the market is thinking, clearly, in my opinion, at this time. And the other thing that I think is, I think people are looking at this, and I've heard people talk about it's like the Internet 2.0. Um, I, I think that it, I, I don't think that those comps are completely inappropriate, but I think that AI is going to have a is going to have a much more mixed impact on the underlying economy. Whereas when you look at the when you look at the Internet, it, it, the Internet reminds me a lot more of the classic buggy whip scenario, right? Remember the old story about buggy whip makers when automobiles were introduced. Uh, you know, at the time making buggy whips was a good gig paid well, you know, and everybody needed them. Right. Um, that was an industry that died like almost overnight. Right. And this is what happens with the introduction of all new technology. People go, Oh, it's going to get rid of all those jobs. Well, it does, but it also creates a lot more and typically creates more than it eliminates. And that was very, very much the case with the internet. And in fact, it continues to be the case with the internet, right? I mean, just look at how much more options the internet and connectivity and technology have given us today. You can run a full bit. We started Bulwark Capital Management out of our home office, right? That wasn't really, I mean, maybe you could, but it was infinitely harder to do 30 years ago. So AI is going to have an impact, but unlike the internet, it is going to eliminate jobs. One of the biggest benefits, one of the main value propositions of AI is the ability to get rid of humans, right? A portion or a chunk of your human workforce and not have to pay them. So <clears throat> first of all, I think AI is going to be a story much more of winners and losers. Is it going to have a positive impact to the economy overall? Yes, but it's also going to, like I said, it's going to bring about problems. It's probably going to create, I don't see how AI does not result in substantially higher unemployment rates. Now we will figure out ways to deal with those unemployment rates, but I, I just don't understand how that does. It does not just eliminate a lot of jobs. And remember, it's not like other technologies. One of its main value propositions is it eliminates jobs. So it's not like there's going to be a knock-on effect somewhere else. Now, I think where there will be knock-on effects, though, or rather, let's stick to the topic. So how do we play AI? Well, everybody knows NVIDIA, and I think that there are stocks in the market right now that are exposed to AI that are not being appreciated. I'm not telling you to buy them, but I think Taiwan Semiconductors is a perfect example. Stock is still really cheap. 
part of our portfolio. Again, not recommending it for you. Don't know your situation. But in our opinion, the only thing holding the price of that thing down is the threat of China. Well, they're aware of that and they've, they're building new facilities, other places in the world. So, you know, I think in the event that something like that were to happen, um, assuming it doesn't happen in the immediate future, I think at the very, I think it'd be a big story, but I think it will be minimally disruptive to their company. You know, they're preparing for it. They see that threat too. Um, you know, I think Google has been overlooked. It's not cheap, but it's not really expensive either. It's getting a little more expensive now as it climbs. I liked it more at 120, 130. Um, but still some good value. It's 28, 29 times earnings, something like that. Um, but it's got big exposure. Well, why that one hasn't gotten caught up in the AI boom, I don't really understand. I think you can make it, I think you could easily make an argument that Google is significantly more convexly positioned to AI than Microsoft is. In my, in, I, 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 I think that's true without, without a doubt. I mean, Google's already got a chip that's superior to NVIDIA's and 25% of AI applications. So um, there are those things. But I think that there are two things that probably will and could, and I think probably will, like I said, win even bigger than those things from AI. And what are they? Think about AI, right? What is AI going to result in? It's going to result in a lot more things being plugged in, right? Much more power needs and a lot of material needs. Right? A lot of robots, a lot of machines being built. Think of the copper that's going to be needed for that, the steel, the lithium, the cobalt for the batteries. Right? Then you're going to have to plug these things in. You got to power them. Well, you're throwing those things in at the scale everybody's talking, right? Look at how much money's going into AI. That should be a reflection of how much AI is going to proliferate across the economy. So you're talking about a lot more power draw. Right? Remember, AI is replacing people that you don't have to plug into the wall. You add that to what we're doing with EVs. Good Lord, you're going to be taxing that grid. So you're going to have to build up the grid. What's that going to require? Commodities, natural resources, copper, steel, all the same stuff. Everything I see us doing, it's pretty wild right now. Everything I see us doing, almost every fix to green energy or any of the stuff that everybody's talking about, what does it require? Natural resources, commodities, metals, all this stuff. What is still probably the most beaten down and unloved sector of the entire market? Commodities, energies, steel, natural resource, right? All that stuff. And do I get why it is over, overlooked? Sure. 15 years, tech-dominated market, everybody's tech crazy? Yes. Can I guarantee you if you start buying that stuff now over the next year and a half, it's going to outperform the tech stuff? No. What should you be doing as a long-term investor if you want to get the best returns possible with the least amount of risk? You should have a lot more exposure to that kind of stuff than you do. Why don't people do it? Because it doesn't work right now. And guys, here's, here's the thing about investing is we've got to think out into the future. We cannot think because that short-term thinking, what's working right now? What stock do I buy the zero date to option expiry on now? What stock, right? Everybody's so short, short-term thinking, in my opinion, you're missing the forest for the trees. You got this stuff over there that no matter how you roll out these economic scenarios, everything keeps coming up with the world's going to need a lot more of that. And then, oh, by the way, these things are trading at generationally low prices. Here's another one. This has been one of the I, – you know what? I'd have to check this because next to energy, this may have even performed worse over the last 8 to 10 years. But, I mean, these are two – unquestionably two of the worst performing sectors. I, I, they've got to be the two worst. But another one and, – and, 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 and guys – the reason you hear me talking excited about that is because when you get sign changes, when you get cyclical turns, when you get market shifts, right, it's the way markets work. Usually the thing that is the most unloved will be the most needed. It's almost always the way it works. And then the thing that is the most loved will become the thing that is least needed. Right, that it's just the way markets work. Part of it is just human behavior because we over extrapolate. Meaning, we, we every last one of us sells off the very last of the thing that's not working to go buy the thing that is. So, so you just have nobody left on this side and everybody over here. So by default, really, there's only one way for capital to move, and this sector gets hit, and that sector benefits. The other reason about it is on longer timelines. 
right? Think about hedge funds. Think about private equity funds. Do you think they were raising a lot of money telling people they were going to invest in natural resources and metals over the last 12 years? No, it was all tech. So then you starved that sector out of capital. Meanwhile, you flooded this one. So what do you know? You know, there's a lot of great stuff over here that hasn't been funded properly. And you know, there's a lot of garbage over here that's been overfunded. Okay. We don't know all the particulars. These are the way cycles always work. So when you see these turns and when you see everybody, especially in a situation like this, AI, everybody's chasing the obvious ones. It's almost always the second and third order uh, events or companies that make all the money, right? For instance, you have AI emerge. I, I will flat out guarantee you right now when it's all said and done, NVIDIA is not going to be close to the biggest winner from AI. I will, I will guarantee you that right now. It's never the way it works, Right. It's always something you don't think about. And the sector, I think, that is primed to benefit from AI as much as anything else and a sector that has been so unloved for so long, biotech. Why do I think biotech? Because when you understand biotech, the vast majority of biotech is just one ongoing, never-ending math problem. And they're taking all of these different compounds and they're trying them, seeing if this works, seeing if this works, seeing if that works. It is the perfect setting for AI because when they go home at night, AI will just keep working on it. And maybe AI won't go through these 25,000 different combinations of the right compounds and within two days come out with the right one. But what it will be able to do is eliminate 24,500 of those compounds and tell you to focus on these. And over time, it will get better at filtering them down and down and down. And so you, by default, I do not understand how you're not going to see massive breakthroughs in biotech because it's not going to be limited by people working on it anymore. They're just going to let AI run with it. And there are scary things about AI, but when you look at the applications as it relates to biotech, not only are they exciting as an investor, but they're exciting as a human being, you guys. The, the, com- the, compute, or excuse, the computing power and the computation capability that they're going to be unleashing in this industry that has basically only been limited by our technology and our ability and speed at which we can try different comp- – right? Like it's the perfect technology to completely transform that space. So my prediction here is over the next five to 10 years, I think you're going to see some of the biggest winners in biotech come, or biggest winners from AI, not even be AI companies. I think they're going to be biotech companies. And I think they're going to, and all of this is going to require a glut of natural resources. So we want to skate to where the puck is going because by the time all your buddies on Twitter or in the chat room are talking about it, this stuff's already bit up to the moon. You know, go look at the majority of those chip producers. It's They're insane. Are they going to sell a lot of chips? Yes. Are they going to make more earnings? Yes. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying the vast, ma- the vast majority of it's got to be priced in. And this is what makes investing tough. Because in order to generate the best returns, in order to, and more importantly, in order to avoid the big hits, You got to do things that aren't comfortable and you got to do things that aren't fun. It's fun owning NVIDIA right now, right? It's been fun owning Microsoft. They go up, you're a genius, all that other kind of stuff. And I'm not even saying you should sell those. I don't own them. I wouldn't buy them here. I just think there's too many other things that are too attractive on on a valuation basis. Great companies. But we got to skate to where the puck is going, guys. That's where all the money is going to be made, especially in an inflationary world, especially in a world that's got this many potentially global, uh, you know, geopolitical fires that could erupt at any given time, right? So all of that puts a bid underneath commodities. So while, while that may sound scary, and this is why in bubble times like this, you got to focus on the fundamentals. Because if you watch your stock not doing anything, you watch that other stock going up, it'll just grind you, it grinds you to dust. You got to focus on those fundamentals, baby. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. As always, guys, if this stuff interests you, if you realize that those mutual funds and those ETFs you've been sitting on are all loaded up with tech, and we're looking at inflation and geopolitical issues, and you're sitting there scratching your head going, man, I really, is it crazy to me that everybody's buying all this in this time of inflation and strained resources? And all that kind of, seems like we should be pointed somewhere else. This stuff seems too expensive. Don't listen to that voice in your head. 
where you're sitting there going, this doesn't feel like 4% growth. Man, it feels like we're speeding toward a brick wall. This seems crazy, but they're telling me just to stick with it. Listen to that voice. In my opinion, that voice is 100% correct. And here's the catch, you guys. This is the biggest thing I want people to realize. Protecting yourself from that does not mean that if, if you proper, if you protect yourself from that, if you go that way and you're wrong, you're not going to make any money. You're going to lose a bunch. That's not what risk management is. I'm not asking you to, if I'm wrong and this market's going to double over the next four or five years, I'm not asking you to sit that out. I'm actually saying, Hey, now we've got to execute on our end, but I'm actually saying, Hey, let's put you in a portfolio that can actually make more than that. We're just going to do it with a stop underneath us. We're going to do it with a net underneath us. Right. We're just going to make sure that if, if, if things turn nasty, that we're fine. And guys, that's the way retirement portfolio should work. No matter what happens economically, you should be good. Are you? Can you say that about your portfolio? If you can't, call us 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. And again, I want you guys to understand me. I'm not guaranteeing outcomes. What I'm saying is we can build a portfolio that has more upside ability to make money in an up market. So risk managing a portfolio is relatively easy due to the structure of it to sit there and build a portfolio and say, under worst case scenario, here's where you're at. It's relatively easy. Tough part is making money, right? But once you understand our process, we're actually going to build a portfolio that has less risk, but has more ways for you to make money. So anyway, give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. And if you guys like the show, do us a favor too and just subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. We don't spam you. None of that stuff. Just the more subscribers we get, better guests we can get on and all that kind of stuff. So you're, just, you're helping yourself. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. With the election looming, continued global unrest, rising cost of living, and unforeseen market fluctuations, 2024 could be a wild ride. Protecting retirement portfolios with our risk management process is critical. That's Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark and host of Know Your Risk Radio's podcast. Zach, at our first meeting, Bulwark opened my eyes to how exposed my portfolio really was. We do that with everyone. Our Know Your Risk portfolio review is a great way to see if you're overexposed to risk. It's free and there's no obligation. In fact, we don't let anyone invest with us at our first meeting. Whether you become a client or not, I can promise you this. You'll leave much more informed about the risks to your retirement. I know I did. Look, you only get one retirement. Don't risk it. Schedule your free risk review now at knowyourriskradio.com. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Past performance doesn't guarantee future results. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right. So shocker, I went a little over on that previous segment. So I want to combine these last two to give us enough time. Where are we at here? So we were at so 18, 23, 41, got about six minutes here. So the great question that I want to get to, remember I was going to say do a segment on the great question. He's like, you know, how are you guys going to account for the falling dollar? And I went, he's like, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say the dollar is probably going to be under pressure under the next several years. How do you guys account for that in your in your investment strategy? And I went, I love that idea. First of all, to me, it goes right along with our narrative right now about, in my opinion, this is the time where you need to be the least focused on stock movements and hot stocks and things like that. And you need to be the most focused on valuation. Why do those two marry up? Because one of the unique aspects of this entire cycle dating all the way back to 09 has been, this has been I believe, do not quote me, but I believe it is the most U.S.-centric cycle that we've ever seen, meaning the U.S. up until just the last year, maybe even six, eight months, while the U.S. was making your biggest bull market, longest bull market in U.S. history, a lot of those other – a lot of – you look around the world, Europe, Asia, Japan, they're all trading at similar levels that they were at in 2007, right? Meanwhile, we're – 
you know, S and P we, 2007, we topped out of 1500 S and P's of 4,800, right? So like three X, right? So one of the ways, and we're watching this actively We're we've got positions. I think we've got some Japanese positions on anyway. Um, so there are going to be tactical things to go after, but quite honestly, dealing with the falling dollar quite simply is going to be to be less U.S. centric. In this cycle, any exposure you had to international hurt your returns. I think in the next cycle, it's going to be the opposite. If you want to post solid returns, you're going to have – and these things are just too cheap. You start going to look at some of these other markets and you look at the levels. I, I, India is expensive. They're also growing like crazy. Uh, but you look at the rest of these international markets, they're too cheap. As the dollar goes down, it's like a tax cut for all those economies too. So I think that's another perfect setup. It kind of reminds me of, of what I was saying about biotech, right? Not only do I think the winds have turned in their favor, but they've also been beaten up really badly and they're kind of at the bottom of the barrel. That's what you really want to find. That's when the big money's made in investing is when the, when the conditions turn in such a way that and like I was saying, it just usually works out this way, where they turn in such a way that they begin helping this sector. And oh, by the way, that was the most beaten down, right? That's that's like the golden cross when those two things happen. And man, it makes me lick my chops. You know, you might think of a situation like oil and, and nat gas coming out of COVID, similar type situation, right? They were generationally low in terms of valuation. And the thing that killed them it as soon as we came out of COVID, it reversed, and you're like, "There's no way these things don't make piles of money now, right?" So, I think there are things. That, and once again, to go back to that guy's another part of that great question is that great question, in my opinion, underlies one of the main issues with the average retail portfolio, like energy and commodities, because this cycle has been so U.S. centric. The average retail portfolio has record low exposure to international markets. I, I just, I, I'll just tell you, if, if you're at a normal advisory shop right now, I just, I don't think retail portfolios have ever been more mispositioned or out of position for a changing cycle. And does that mean they should get rid of all tech? No. And you guys know that I'm not saying that. I think it's silly when people make these blanket statements. One of the reasons those companies are so expensive is because they're so good, right? But there becomes a gap where quality, right? A, a, a superior business, there's a price, there, there, there's a premium you'll pay for that, but that premium only goes so high. And when we're talking about earnings yields of like high ones versus earning yields of like 15 to 20, that gap is just too big. And that's where you just go, look, I, yeah, it's a great company, but you're, you're just – I, you, you're just, you're throwing away hundred dollar bills here. You, 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 the, right. It's, it's sort of like the difference between a, a public and a private company. You take a private company public and that alone should increase its valuation. Why? Cause now it's immediately liquid and a liquid company, all things being equal is worth more right now today than an illiquid company. This gives you more options. It's allowed to be liquid. Is liquidity worth double the price? No. Right? It's kind of same kind of thing. And you see that same kind of divergence happening in markets right now. You see uh, private, you know, private equity, for the most part, is really struggling right now. Private companies having a tough time. Publicly traded companies, they're, they're having a tough time too. Their stock price is going up. Right? So you, you, if you took some of these companies private, they'd, pay for a fra- they'd, they'd go for a fraction of what they're going for in public markets. It's another way you know that there's a bubble. Why? Because liquidity being public, having free trading stock, it makes your company worth more. It doesn't make it worth triple or quadruple more, right? So you got you to gotta keep your eyes on the fundamentals. And then to tie it up here, guys, we got to hurry along. But 4% growth, we're going to talk more about this with Steve Mirren, hopefully in the near future, maybe next week, week after. But when I look at the world today, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of you feel the same way, you're hearing these growth numbers come out and you're just like, man, this isn't what my friends are saying. This isn't how I feel. What's interesting right now, and we're going to talk to Steve Mirren about this. When I look at the world, I, I often think about it in terms of like Occam's razor, meaning it's a line of logic, which is when you're looking at these sets of different things to pick from or circumstances, and you're trying to figure out why or how something happened, go with the most obvious and logical answer because that typically is the correct one. Not always, but typically the most obvious answer is usually the answer. 
When I look at this economic picture, it doesn't make any sense, right? You're seeing these conflicting numbers. You're watching bad earnings, but we're supposedly growing at 4%. You know, the one thing that makes sense to me is if inflation is materially understated because the way GDP gets calculated is you have your nominal numbers. So just the addition of all transactions that happen inside of an economy. And then from that number, you subtract inflation. Well, if, if inflation is, let's say one and a half to 2% understated, then it makes it look like you've got 3.3% growth when you're really at somewhere between zero to one. When I look at the world today through that Occam's razor lens, nothing makes any sense. Then if I look at it through the lens of maybe inflation's understated, how do things look? Let's say inflation's actually one and a half to 2% higher than what they're saying it is. Now everything makes a lot of sense. Now you're looking at an economy that's growing at zero to 1%, basically in stall speed, not plunging yet, but in stall speed. Companies aren't losing money, but they're not really making it either. Stall speed. Isn't that kind of what you see? So I'm looking around. I'm really starting to think that I think inflation might be understated, guys. So we're going to get on Stephen Mirren, who's a PhD economist from uh, Harvard. And he worked with the Treasury. This guy knows it inside and out. He'll be answering those questions for us. So we're going to try to get him on next week. Might be the week after. You're not going to want to miss that one. Anyway, got to go. Out of time. Have a great weekend. We will be back next week. Interview circuit starts again next week. You're not going to want to miss that. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Oh, and don't forget, sign up for the dots, the daily dots. Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Go subscribe, and uh, you'll get that 15 to 25-minute daily summary. Anyway, have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. And give us a call. If you want a risk-managed portfolio and you don't want your life to get blown up when all this stuff hits the fan, give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. See you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.